Hello and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. My name is Ian McLaren. I'm the host of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. And I'll just say right off the top, this may not be uh, my strongest effort as I am uh, experiencing flu-like symptoms today, but on we go with the podcast for Friday, December 6th, 2019. Uh, the Bruins are coming off a overtime loss to the Chicago Blackhawks on Thursday night. They're set to host the Colorado Avalanche at home on Saturday. Uh, so we'll talk about those two things and also uh, just take a look at some news and notes from around uh, the NHL. Before we get into that, I want to remind you that you can follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins on Twitter.com. You can also find me at Ian C. McLaren. That's M-C-L-A-R-E-N. Um, what else? Yes, please uh, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please also uh, download, listen every day, uh, rate and review if possible, and tell someone in your life who loves the Bruins about the podcast today just to get the word out there a bit more. Before we jump into last night's game, I wanted to mention uh, DoorDash. I encourage you this weekend to treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, Locked On Boston Bruins listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. If you can't visit DoorDash right now, find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. The Bruins last night, they continued a rather troubling trend of failing to score in the first period of a game. Uh, and also add that the second period, they did not score in through the first 40 minutes of the game for, uh, I believe it was the fifth game in a row dating back to uh, a game a couple of weeks ago now against the, not a couple of weeks, last week against the Ottawa Senators. That game was scoreless through 40. The Senators scored early in the third period to go up one nothing, and then Brad Marchand and Zdeno Chara scored later on in the frame uh, for the win. That trend continued on a Black Friday game against the New York Rangers. Rangers scored once in the first once in the second, oh, sorry, the Bruins actually did score late in the third period, or sorry, in the second period of that game. Uh, so this storyline is kind of moot, but still, it was the first 38 minutes and 28 seconds of the game that they failed to score. They were down heading into the third. David Pasternak scored to tie things up uh, fairly early in the third period, and then Krejci scored in overtime uh, for the win. Same thing against the Montreal Canadiens earlier this week. Uh, Montreal went up one nothing in the first. The Bruins failed to score first and second period. And then Pasternak scored, David Backus scored, Jake DeBrus scored all in the third period for the win. Earlier this week again against the Hurricanes. No score through 40 minutes until... Uh, Charlie Coyle scored at the 15:55 mark of the third period. David Krejci scored 17:03 of the third period. Bruins won two nothing. And then last night against the Blackhawks, the Bruins went down three nothing. 
thanks to first period goals from Ryan Carpenter and Dylan Strom. Alex Debrinket scored uh, 17 seconds into the third period to give the team, uh, to give the Blackhawks a 3-0 lead. Joaquin Nordstrom scored. Chris Wagner scored shorthanded. And then Tori Krug added uh, his fourth of the season at the 17-27 mark of the third to tie things up where they lost in overtime on a goal scored by Jonathan Taze. So, altogether, that's five straight games in which they've failed to score in the first period, four out of the five where they failed to score in the first 38 minutes of the game, um, and then all their offense coming in the third period or overtime to win those games or earn at least a point as they did uh, last night against the Blackhawks. Hopefully you're able to follow that. Uh, but I think it's uh, it's an interesting time for the Bruins right now where they're not really uh, scoring much early in the game. And uh, as I tweeted last night, the Ford final five is kind of the best part of the day as that's when the Bruins seem to do their scoring, uh, pushing things to overtime. Um, David Backus commented on that after the game last night. He said, I don't know that it's sustainable. Maybe you can keep it tied. And then in the third, find that crack and try to expose it. We've got game breakers that can do that, but certainly digging the two a hole, letting them score 17 seconds into the third was not a recipe for success, even though they were able to squeak out the point. Um, you know, that's obviously not going to cut it long-term. I've been saying all season long that this Bruins team does have the talent to be able to hang with teams uh, throughout the game, um, to be able to erase deficits. Um, that's even with Patrice Bergeron out of the lineup. Uh, they're able to find that timely scoring, whether it's to erase, like I said, erase deficits and tie things up, push it to overtime, or... Um, take the outright lead in regulation and secure the win. Um, Bacchus said, we showed some great character, found a way to get a point out of it. Whatever you say about overtime, they made a play and you know, you got all the momentum and you hope to finish off the job, all the hard work to getting that game back to even. Um, The play he's referring to is the breakaway by Jonathan Taves. That was kind of um, forced on a, uh, borderline but not really trip of David Pasternak a lot of people were saying it should have been a penalty Uh, fans on the in the stands were throwing garbage apparently on the ice as a result I don't know if that was because of the apparent non-call or the Bruins lack of effort up to that point the comeback shows again what this team is capable of they're able to uh, get the job done when trailing or tied late in games Uh, but Long-term, you want to see them come out and play a full 60 minutes and uh, just kind of take it to teams right from their beginning and not always coming from behind. The Bruins are now uh, 23-6 and on the season. They're one point back of the Washington Capitals for first overall in the NHL, albeit with a game in hand. Therefore, they have um, first in terms of point percentage. They're at plus 35 Uh, With Washington at plus 26, Colorado, who they'll face next on Saturday at plus 25. Colorado, it should be noted, now has uh, both Miko Rantanen and Gabriel Landeskog back in the lineup. Uh, So 
as strong as they've been all season uh, in terms of uh, injuries. Bruce Cassidy, after the game, he said, our job is to make sure we don't get complacent. I don't think we have been, to be honest with you. I think it would show in our record if we were, uh, basically meaning if they were complacent, um, they wouldn't have those efforts to get those points out of out of these recent games. Uh, lack of urgency from period to period, absolutely, Cassidy added. We're going to continue to address it, but to get to your level 82 times a year for 60 minutes, it is a challenge for a coach, and it's a challenge for players, but we will need it. Um, obviously, this Bruins team is coming off a long and deep playoff run where the games matter most. Um, everybody, including myself, was expecting a bit of a dip to begin the season uh, in terms of that Stanley Cup hangover. The fact that the Bruins are seemingly never out of games is a huge bonus. I said last night that, you know, this team is going to lose games. That's okay. The thing with this team is that they're good enough to win or at least earn a point even on their off nights. So that's the positive that can be taken from um, this maybe uh, recent lack of urgency in their games early on. Uh, you'd like to see them come out flying and bury teams early, uh, but that's not the case. As of late, they are still getting points. They're 8-0-2 in their last 10 games, much of that without Patrice Bergeron. Bergeron um, will not be back for Saturday's game against the Avalanche. The goal now, I guess, is for him to... Uh, perhaps be ready for next week's game against the um, Ottawa Senators, who they will play uh, coming up on Monday, I believe. It's actually a tough week for the Bruins next week. They're heading out on a four-game road trip following uh, Saturday's tilt with the Avalanche. Monday, they'll be in Ottawa to face the Senators. Wednesday, in Washington to face the Capitals. And then Thursday, down to Tampa Bay to play the Lightning. Saturday, in Miami to play the Florida Panthers. Um, so a tough stretch for the Bruins coming up. Honestly, even the Senators should not be taken lightly at this point. Uh, they are 28th in the NHL, but they've won four of their last six, including a game uh, last night against the Edmonton Oilers. Perhaps being out on the road will do this team well, and uh, they'll know to... Come out swinging right from the gate. Speaking of swinging, John Moore last night was credited for uh, a fight against um, Zach Smith after a bump on uh, David Pasternak. Pasternak has really been uh, under what do you what would you say? Given the gears lately, I guess uh, from the opposition, uh, John Moore stepped up in his return. Uh, make a good impression on his teammates by willing to drop the gloves. I personally am not a huge hockey fighting guy, but it was good to see more get in there and, um, you know, earn some uh, props from his teammates for being willing to do some of the dirty work that maybe others weren't willing to do uh, recently. Moore saw 16 minutes of ice time. Uh, he had three shots on goal. Three hits, two blocks, one giveaway, and the five minutes in penalties. So a pretty solid effort for him uh, on the night. The least amount of ice time among uh, his peers. Uh, but, um, yeah, an encouraging uh, 
debut for John Moore on the season. Let's finish off now with some news and notes from around the NHL. Um, One of the big storylines Thursday was a report, uh, not a report, but I guess a quote from Nathan McKinnon, uh, where he said that he has no regrets over his very team-friendly seven-year, $44.1 million contract signed with the Avalanche after the 2015-16 season. And he also said he'd accept less money on his next deal because he wants to win with the Avs. Uh, It's a very uh, Bruins-esque philosophy. Uh, As you know, if you look at the team's cap-friendly page, the Bruins are very blessed, hashtag blessed, with um, team-friendly contracts. Specifically, yeah, the whole top line, um, Pasternak and Martian especially, for guys playing at their level right now, uh, the fact that they are top five in scoring and earning uh, six something million dollars, six point six six for uh, Pasternak, and oh wow, Marchand's even better at six point one two five million uh, per season through twenty twenty four twenty five. If you look at uh, kind of how they're producing right now, uh, Marchand is on pace for. 122 points, 51 goals, 74 assists at his current pace through a full 82 games. Pasternak is on pace for 71 goals and 51 assists, 122 points as well. Uh, That's at their current uh, paces as well as uh, over the course of a full season. Should add Pasternak shooting 22.1% and Marchand is shooting 25%. And both of those numbers are should fall at some point. Uh, so watch out for some regression uh, there. But still, uh, very uh, team-friendly contracts for uh, the Bruins. Uh, as it pertains to Nathan McKinnon, uh, you know, he was coming off some injury-hampered seasons at the time of signing that deal. He's only really exploded over the course of uh, his current contract developed into a real uh, MVP caliber player. Um, He should make quite a bit more than that when his contract expires in 2023. If this trajectory continues, he could command up to probably 12, 13 million. Um, And so we'll see if that actually comes to fruition when he is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, But we'll see if... Uh, yeah, if if he's really able to um, stick to that and if the Avs are able to win with him as they seem more than capable of doing uh, and um, what what the market is like at that point if the, if the salary cap goes up, uh, things like that. The rumor mill continues to swirl around uh, Taylor Hall. Uh, Joe Haggerty of NBC Sports Boston, for those who follow his work or read his stuff, he doesn't believe the Bruins should pursue Hall, and this is a, a time that I agree with um, Haggerty. He feels it would cost the Bruins probably the equivalent of what the Senators received from Vegas from Mark Stone, which was a forward, a defenseman, prospects, and a high draft pick. Uh, he also wonders if Brandon Carlo, Anders Bjork, Jake DeBrusque would be in the Devil's Crosshairs. Uh, that's a very steep price to play, pay for a player who can depart via free agency in July. Um, and he, you know, obviously the Bruins would not be able to resign him. 
this Bruins are clearly in win now mode as evidenced by the fact that they're not even willing. It seems to think about dangling Tory Krug on the open market as he's set to become an unrestricted free agent. They risk losing him for nothing as well. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're looking at Tory Krug as a in-house rental per se, uh, then maybe why not go after Taylor Hall kind of go all in, put all your chips on the table, so to speak. Uh, but again, I don't see that as a real fit. The Bruins really do need someone on the right side. I've been really pushing uh, the Tyler to fully hype train. I think that he's a guy uh, that would be more on their level um, to to go after. We're looking at other right-hand shots that could possibly be tantalizing to the Bruins. There's Wayne Simmons with the Devils. Uh, he's only got four goals and seven assists through 27 games for the Devils right now. Obviously, that team is a bit of a mess, and you might think that he'd be a bit rejuvenated with the Bruins, uh, especially since he's only on a one-year contract and looking to get another uh, deal coming up next season. Uh, J.P. Pajot is also another guy the Bruins might be interested in from the Senators, although uh, the price tag on him would obviously be uh, quite high considering how well he's been playing for the Senators. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Bruins do as the deadline nears. Um, I don't know exactly what Sweeney is thinking. Nobody does, except for his inner circle, of course. But um, I would expect the Bruins will be active prior to the deadline because of how good this team is and the window for winning is wide open uh, for this season at the very least. Um, I should mention uh, another bit about Mark Crawford since we talked about him earlier. Former NHL player Brent Sopel released a statement yesterday uh, clarifying comments he made a year ago describing an encounter with Crawford that was considered abusive behavior by the former coach. Uh, Sopel said it was not any intent to make any allegations against anyone or the organization. I was only speaking about how Crawford affected me. I can't speak to how he affected uh, other players. This was on a episode of Spitting Chicklets. Crawford was alleged by Sopel to have kicked, choked, grabbed the back of his jersey, pulled it back during uh, Sopel's time with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Sean Avery also came out uh, with a story about Mark Crawford, but he also downplayed it, uh, saying that Crawford was using it as an opportunity to make him a better player and teammate. Crawford, uh, of course, is on leave from the Blackhawks. He was serving as an assistant coach as he's uh, under investigation for uh, some of these allegations of abuse. Uh, you can see kind of the hockey culture mentality seeping in as these guys uh, backtrack a bit. Uh, but uh, there continues to be a reckoning in terms of abusive uh, coaches in the NHL and uh, through all levels of hockey, uh, led largely by former player Dan Carcillo. Follow him on Twitter. You can see some stories going on, uh, uh, very disheartening stuff. Um, one cool thing to end the show, a real positive if you saw yesterday uh, at Joe Giza, he's a uh, sports producer at WBZ. He posted a video of uh, Patrice Bergeron, who, as I mentioned, is sidelined with a lower body injury. 
He skated yesterday for over 40 minutes, and when he was done, he helped not only retrieve pucks from the ice, but he also got down on all fours and helped put them all in the bin. Just another example of how great a human he is, how lucky we are to have him uh, with the Bruins. His number will certainly be retired one day, and um, all that to say, yes, it sucks that the Bruins lost last night, but losses are going to happen. They've only experienced three in regulation so far this season. So um, I wouldn't complain too much about December overtime losses. We're very lucky to have this team uh, and, you know, just enjoy the ride while we can. It's not going to last forever. That's the flu episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, as always. Follow me on Twitter at Ian C. McLaren. You can follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. Uh, always tweeting over there about um, lineup news during games. Uh, thanks so much for taking some time to listen to the show today. This has been episode number 50, if you can believe it. We'll be back on Monday to recap the game against the Avalanche and as well as to take a look ahead at um, Monday's game against the Ottawa Senators and also to catch you up on anything going on around the NHL uh, of note. Uh, Thanks so much again for taking some time to listen. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Get more people listening. Be very much appreciated. If you're an Apple listener, please toss a star rating up there. And uh, I hope you all have a great weekend. And uh, as for me this weekend, I think we're going to cut down a tree tomorrow. Have to take one of my kids to hockey at 6 a.m. And uh, yeah, otherwise just continuing to get ready for Christmas. And uh, maybe watching some Miss Maisel on Amazon Prime, which is a great show. I highly recommend it. Take care, friends. Talk to you again on Monday.